Hi, I'm John Murray, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. It's a very sunny Sunday morning here in Manchester where I am and it's been a fantastic weekend of football and we're, we're, we're back doing this pretty old school again because we've got a couple of people on the phone this week so we're, we're having to go back to the old Skype. Uh, I'm Luke Edwards and joining me is Chris Pratt. Hiya Chris. Hi Luke. And also with us, he was uh, shoveling crumpets in his mouth a minute ago. It is Dickie Wharton. Hiya, Dickie. <laughs> yeah, they've all gone now. Cheers. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Chris. <laughs> and uh, also joining us, uh, he's making an essential journey, don't worry, and he's uh, he's on the road. It is Rob Worrell. Hiya, Rob. Uh, hi, Luke. Hi, guys. Yeah, it's the long trek back from Hampshire. Uh, always takes a lot longer after a defeat. It, it breezes by where they win. Oh, spoiler, spoiler alert there. <laughs> Everyone will be turning off now in the droves, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) And also joining us, it is our special guest this week. We haven't had him on for a while, so we thought we'd get him on. Uh, It is all-round good guy. He's he's across all the National League for us and the England Sea goalkeeping coach. It is Mick Payne. Hiya, Mick. Yeah, good morning, Luke, and good morning to you guys as well. Now, delighted to to be on with you fellas again, as I just said uh, I'll be speaking to you and uh, chatting everything football, so absolutely delighted to be here. Excellent. We'll round up all the FA Trophy quarterfinal results and the national results in a while. So Mick, obviously you're involved with England C, and I know um, the Lionesses played the other day, and that was their first game in a year. England C, it's been even longer, hasn't it, without a game for you? Is it close to 18 months now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a difficult one. Um, Luke, you know, we're all sort of uh, very, very frustrated disappointed you know you name it you know words can't really describe it because it's a, a team that we all believe in and uh, the players love playing I mean you've been around the group you've seen it as well you know what goes on and when they get their international caps and things like that so look it's been a difficult time we understand why it's been a difficult time because of what's going on in the world and uh, you know we don't always have as an England C group don't always have like uh, an abundance of games anyway so uh, you know at the moment it's we're the site has been suspended, but let's, you know, uh, really, really hope uh, that the site does, uh, you know, get the opportunity to play again, you know, very, very soon when, when the time will allow. Even if it's behind closed doors, just to get together and get gaming, I suppose, is, is the main objective now, isn't it? Well, you would hope so. Exactly that. Yeah, that's what we would hope would happen. And uh, as I said, you've got St George's Park, I think, as you said, the, the Lioness is played up at St George's Park. You know, if there was a secure sort of setting, then that may be the uh, the situation. But you're right, you know, uh, it, it's these players, you know, would be chomping a bit to have the opportunity, especially as the games were cancelled, that we were we had a couple of great sort of uh, things in the pipeline, you know, looking to play Nepal, wasn't we, which was going to be a really big event. And there was a lot of organisation went into that. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, it was curtailed. But look, let's, you know, we've, we've all worked hard as I said I, I, I go back to it you know what I said earlier you know in terms of players all down the pyramid of the of, of, of grassroots football you know National League all the way down all want to play for England C and uh, you know it's uh, a great great opportunity to get uh, international recognition 
Yeah, and Chris, it's a, we, we see the, the recycling of, well, recycling's a wrong word, but do you know players moving up all the time? So these opportunities may be being missed for some of these players to play at England sea level. Yeah, I, you know, echo everything that Mick says. It is a real shame, isn't it? And you, you love players in the pri- in their prime at the moment. Players who are continuing to play in, in the National League who probably deserve a call up, um, for, for England C and, uh, you know, may not be playing that well next season or, or whenever, um, hopefully England C can get back. So yeah, it's a shame for everyone. It gives you such kudos. I just add that, add that to Mick. And, um, for people like us in the media, um, you always mention in your match report, uh, England C international, uh, Lawrence Maguire or, you know, who, or whoever it is or when you're commentating. So it really does bring a bit of kudos to the, to these lads and, um, it's a great occasion as well. Yeah, Chris, you, you know, you just mentioned like, you know, Lawrence Maguire, but you know, I'm sitting here and always do it many, many times. I mean, again, look at the guys who are playing. I mean, we, we had a game away at, uh, in Estonia not that long ago. In that side when we played uh, Estonia, there was Kiefer Moore playing in the championship now with Cardiff. Jamal Lowe, you know, <laughs> who's playing in the championship. Ethan Pinnock, you know, come out of Dulwich, you know, and he's playing for Brentford and he's getting absolutely great reviews. I mean, those lads were, Alex Woodyard was in that side, you know, but you've got lads who are playing in the championship, people who played in the, in the premiership, you know, it's, uh, it's quite incredible. And uh, you've got Fajiri, you know, Fajiri Okambiri playing at Doncaster. Uh, you know, I think he's got 12 goals this year. James Norwood scored yesterday for it. Mm. These are all names, you know, who have gone on, who are playing. And they, you know, yes, they played in the, you know, with their clubs in the National League and below, you know, I'll go back to, you know, Ethan Pinnock, playing for Dulwich, you know, Marvin Ekapito, who's playing at Blackpool, he was playing for East Hallock, you know, and then got the move to the Orient. It's it's just brilliant, you know, to mm. see these lads get the opportunity. I was going to say, I, I think that you mentioned there about, Chris mentioned about, you know, if, if you, we tend to play on that thing of, you know, you mentioned if somebody is an England C international, it marks you out as a prospect, doesn't it? I think, you know, the, the, the list of names that Mick's given that, uh, uh, and and the way that England see is these days, I think it's very much a you know if you have that against on your CV, that I think that marks you down as you know somebody who's um, more than likely destined for a, a bigger future in the game. You know you're going to move into the into the football league, um, and and that's a it's a terrific springboard for, for talent. So absolutely, you know why wouldn't players want to aim for for representing the England C team because it, it puts you in the shop window. Exactly right. It rubber stamps their their, 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 their their stock, if you like, you know. The amount of scouts that we have come to those games, you know, the, the scouts, they come from all over, you know, Scotland, they come and, you know, all, all over the, uh, the, the the country, they come to those England Sea games. And, you know, you've been privy, Luke, and you guys, Chris, and you've been there, you've seen what goes on. And uh, you can see the, the, the way, the, the, the pride, the passion, the you know, the enthusiasm, you name it. And, you, you know, go, I mean, look at, oh, I know it's different, but look at Kiefer Moore. Kiefer Moore now is playing regular, you know, in the Welsh team and scoring goals for the Welsh national team. I know it was England C international, but it just shows you, you know, that they've gone on. It's just, it's just quite incredible, really. Yeah, mate, what also struck me as well when I was there was the, the families were there, the wives, girlfriends, daughters, mums, dads, things like that, posing with the cap and getting pictures taken at the end of the game and, and things like that as well. So it's a, re- it, it's a real proud moment. Well, 
Chris, what, you, you, you're dead right. What ha- Again, people that perhaps don't know, it's an under-23 side. That's the other thing. It's an under-23 side. And a lot of those, I would say majority, you know, nine out of ten of the players or whatever you want to call it, have had knockbacks, knockbacks, knockbacks along the way. You know, been released from pro size. They've had to go again. They started again. Uh, they've had to dig in. You know, their sort of dream has been shattered. And there they go again, and they get this call up for, for England. And, um, you know, as you say, the, the families are so proud because they know they've been on this incredible journey of uh, discovery or knockbacks or whatever you want to call it. And to get, you know, you're representing your country. And again, people perhaps don't always realise, you know, I know you guys do, but when we play against these other sides, look, look at the sort of players they're playing against. You know, it's just. It just shows you who we come mm. up against. We don't play, you know, weak, weak international setup. We play good sides, and uh, you know, and again, it's incredible. The, the you know, everyone is envy of the of, the, of our of our pyramid in this country. When we go across the world, I can't believe you know how far it goes down, and it just shows you who we can play against. It's it's interesting actually, Mick, because a lot of your a lot of the players who have been the recent squad are, are from uh, below the national league, you know, in the north or the south, or step three, four, even five, and uh, they've not been playing at the minute. I mean, where do you stand on it all, especially with the the way the national league's been played out at the minute? Yeah, as I said, you know, in terms of it, it's yeah, look, it's a really it, it, it's it's horrible. You know, I'm not going to dress it up, and it's horrible the way. Uh, you know, the, the season has just been, you know, fizzled out. It's, it, it's, it's, for players, they must be, well, as I said, I speak to them on a regular basis. And there's not much else you can say, really. It's just, you know, you just feel for all, everyone concerned. And uh, as I said, it, it's not just the players, though, Luke, guys. You know, you know yourself, the communities around these clubs, when, the, the, you know, whether you're playing in a step five, six, seven, there's still the community in and around these clubs. And, what they offer these these football clubs to the community is incredible, and until it's taken away, people don't realise what's on offer. No, absolutely, and I mean, where <clears throat> where do you stand in it all? Because at the minute, I know um, Kings Lynn have said that their game against Weymouth could well be their last of the season, but maybe because they want clarity on what's what's going to happen. I mean, it's one of those really, because if there's no relegation, you, I was I was talking to somebody at Stockport yesterday, if there's no relegation, for example, and Stockport are going for the title with, say, Torquay, Stockport play Barnet at home. Barnet could send a team of kids, Torquay could end up playing Bromley, who are going for a playoff position, and, and Stockport could win 6-0 and go up, and I mean, where's, where's the fairness in that? Well, exactly that. I mean, this is where we've got to be you know, the word integrity is is massive, isn't it? You know, you, you dev- and, I, and I get it. I understand why, you know, certain clubs might, you know, have to uh, lose certain players and, you know, you know, the word is it furlough. I don't know, you know, where they furlough players and bring others in and it's a cheaper option and, you know, they can still keep their head above water as a club. I get that totally. But the integrity is so, so important and vital and, uh, you know, as I said, I go back to, you know, the point it's got, if they're going to do something on it, you know, without these relegations, it's, uh, it, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult, difficult situation that we've got ourselves in. And, uh, I would love to still see something sorted out. You know, you say, what's my take on it? What I'd like to see is that somehow if they keep the north and south can, can, I know that's being muted to try to get a, 
and league together, but that's going to be coming down to the FA to, to sanction it. You know, if they're going to try to get, you know, the group of 19 that still want to play or 20 sides that still want to play. And perhaps this is, this is just my, you know, you, you have a North and South still and they play each other once and uh, you, you, you somehow get it together over a four or five week period. They play each other once and you still can get some promotion and some relegation. But, that's uh, for the powers that be to try to organise, and I know it wouldn't be easy. Yeah, I'd, I mean, my my point would would be um, similar to Mick's around integrity, um, and your point, uh, Luke, as well about the teams that you could be playing towards the end of the season in the, in those vital matches. I mean, you're gonna they're gonna be left have to look at a situation. Do you look at Dover, for example, and the points that teams have gained against Dover? Do they still? You still keep them points, and um, it's it's a it's a hell of a mess, isn't it? And you know, if Kingsland do decide that they can't carry on, then um, then you've got to look at a similar situation there. And you know, teams aren't are going to have a spare weekend; they're going to have an extra week to prepare for certain matches. So there's there's so much sort of knock-on effects. What I will say though, um, and I did see Jim Parmenter on; he was on Football Focus yesterday from Dover, actually, and you can't you can't knock teams for doing what's right for them and i think that that's that's a theme that will run through all this for me that um you know these are problems we do have to overcome but fundamentally clubs have still got to exist and let's make no bones about it this is threatening clubs existence clubs haven't had fans in for nearly a year now um, at, uh, at National League level, National League um, North and South, and you can't knock clubs for, for doing what's best for them, but it does create a terrible, sticky situation that, hey, you know, in some ways we can't help, but in some ways possibly could have been handled a little bit better as well. But Chris, just in that, you don't mind, again, you know, you look at what you're just saying, you know, telling clubs what they can do and what they can't do. You know, if you're a, if you're a club and you say you're in that, position where you're down near the bottom or whatever it is and you know you, you can't see yourself going up or whatever you might put out uh, a side now yeah. who's to say you, you know the side you're putting out is for for future right we're gonna we're gonna give some younger players a chance you know because in yeah. this situation we could play our younger players now is that bad integrity or is it looking for the future of the club to say this is what we, this is how we want to go with it we, we haven't got to pay sort of big money for some of these players but we can still bring our younger players through to uh, to see how they do, really. You know, what, you know, I, I, as you say, it's so sticky. It's so, uh, it's it is. It's um, it's really, really unfortunate. And, and well, it's a mess. Let's be totally honest about it. The other thing as well is is the EFL. I mean, the EFL will be keeping a beady eye on National League events because the National League are pushing for a third promotion spot, and the EFL will be like going, "Well, hold on, like." If your league's not got much integrity, then no, you're not having that extra promotion spot. Well, exactly right. You know, exactly right. This is, you know, again, it's a, it's it's the bigger picture, as we keep all saying. It's the bigger picture, and uh, but you know, whatever goes on at the end of it, let's be honest, it's got to be sanctioned by the league. It's got to be sanctioned then by the FA to see where we go with it. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, could it have been? We all know, you know, hindsight's a big thing, big thing, hindsight, but. Could it have been handled slightly differently? Well, perhaps, you know, it, it should have been. But let's see if something can if, if anything is going to come, it's got to happen, you know, in the next few few days for uh, any sort of uh, any changes of uh, if there's going to be sort of another league or whatever. I, don't, I, I really don't know. It's, uh, 
it's very, very uh, upsetting and sad, really, for many, many people. I know, Dick, as well, you, you put in a, a call to National League HQ, and we're hoping to get Mark Ives on for next week's pod. Yeah, very much so. I think we're, um, we've got something arranged for, for midweek. Um, hopefully that can come off and we can, you know, put some of these things to him. Um, I suppose my, my hope from this and, you know, my comment on this is, um, yeah, we'd all like a resolution for this season. We'd all like something that, that, that can satisfy as many people as possible, as, as difficult as that is. And that, that's a huge balancing act to have to perform. Um, I suppose what I'd hope for out of that is what we don't do um is is make decisions that then subsequently cause further problems six months nine months 12 months however down the line you know we i think we've seen you know the the, the impact of talk you know the the funding and trying to rush into the season in the hope that everything would be okay and then it so clearly has turned out not to be i hope whatever solution that can be arrived at if one can be arrived at doesn't sort of jeopardise things going forward. We've got to have that view to to not just the short term but the medium and the long. Um and you know if, if the National League is a business, I'm sure um well if if they're not thinking in those terms, I think I'd recommend to them very highly that they do. Because as, as difficult as this situation we're in is currently, what we can't do is is you know throw everything out of the window to get a solution for the now that's going to cause us even bigger problems further down the line. Well, we'll look at the FA Trophy now. Just to say, there was in midweek there was a full round of National League fixtures. There wasn't many goals, it was fair to say. The, the most entertaining game was at Maidenhead, where all the shot won by three goals to two after being three nil up. So they'd have gone into Saturday's FA Trophy quarter-final against Hereford in um, in pretty good spirits, wouldn't they, Rob? But uh, the Bulls came, and it was fair to say the Bulls charged out the gate early on, didn't they? Oh yeah, they were superb. Just a little correction, because it'll annoy our listeners. It was four, it was four-two on uh, Tuesday. Not, oh, not oh sorry, Rob. Of course, it was injury time. It was just, <laughs> it was just when you were chatting to us, you, you were so under the cosh, I forgot you broke away in injury time. That's right. Yeah, and it was, a, it was probably the best goal of the night, um, and it was the hat trick goal for friend of the podcast, Josh Reese. So uh, yeah, thanks for touching on happier times for shots. I think the difficulty for all the shot has been they've definitely shown in glimpses at times. Um, what a good side they can be on their day this season. The difficulty, um, as, as well versed by manager Danny Searle, is consistency. And when they're able to impose their game, they can be uh, a dangerous opponent. But uh, full credit to Hereford. Um, did our research um, before the commentary yesterday, and, and I knew it was going to be a very, very tough game. Hereford coming into it on the back of uh, nine matches unbeaten. Uh, only conceded three goals, hadn't conceded any in the trophy. Um, and they've beaten Brackley and Fylde, which you boys will know, a very, very good side. So, And they really did turn up. They were like uh, a swarm of bees around on the shot, right from the kickoff, uh, getting territory, winning set pieces. Um, and they scored uh, as, as play was recycled after one of those. Uh, Michael Bacar, what a story that is. 34 years old now, been around the non-league scene tidy finish following up a half-cleared ball. And it looked like that was it. Um, all the shot just couldn't get their game going until round about 75, 80 minutes. And then it was literally, uh, you know, like the Alamo for the last 10, 12 minutes and finally was near enough the last kick of the game. Uh, Josh Reese uh, poked home, a little bit of a scramble. 
and you felt at that time that with the game going to uh, penalties, that all the shot would be on the up, would be on the high. But uh, in, in truth, it was a quality penalty shootout from the from those taking them. Uh, not a sniff for Mitch Walker at one end, uh, and the vital save coming from uh, Brandon Hall uh, from from Mo Betterer of all people, who's not missed a penalty this season. Uh, I think we should uh, go to Mick really for the rest because uh, he knows both goalkeepers really, really well, and he knows what uh, what it's like to be a goalkeeper in a penalty shootout, Mick. Yeah, he's dead right, Rob, as I said. It's uh, great to see those two lads playing, you know, opposite each other. Uh, both lads play in the seaside. And I've got to say, both boys are really top lads off the field as well. But no, you're, you're dead right. You know, unfortunately, uh, it's gone uh, the way of uh, Erevan getting the result. And I'm just saying, strangely enough, I just had a good chat with uh, Brandon Hall this morning because he's had a bit of a tough time, you know, at Hereford, been left out of sight, but he's... He's sort of clawed his way back in, and uh, it seems strange, you know, he's clawed his way back in with the uh, the run that Hereford's had, you know, over this uh, nine-game sort of unbeaten run and not conceded. So, to, you know, to come up trumps and, uh, you know, get the winning through the penalty save is just great. But, uh, no, it's uh, it's not, a, it's, as I say, it's one for nothing when you're involved on the penalty shootout, uh, guys, and... Uh, as I say, sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. And uh, on this occasion, it's gone Hereford's way. And, and, and I'm delighted. For, I am really delighted for uh, Steve Burr as well, you know, the assistant manager at uh, Hereford, because he's, he's, he's had to sort of come back in at the game. And, uh, you know, some friends of mine, to see him doing well, uh, just gives you a buzz. It really does. Rob, do you think Hereford surprised Aldershot a little bit, the way they came out the blocks? I mean, I know they haven't played for a couple of weeks. Aldershot have had a lot of games. and Do you think maybe that bit of extra freshness for Hereford and the fact they're up for it was maybe what took Aldershot a while to get going? It's a tough one. They should have been well prepared for it. What everybody knew, everybody knew, is that it was a one. It, it was a free hit for Hereford. It's their, potentially their last game of the season. They had to leave it all out there and they come literally bursting out of the blocks. It shouldn't have been a surprise, really, to all the shot, uh, in all honesty. But just how good they were did impress me. And I was particularly impressed with Joey Butlin, who uh, led the line up top. Obviously, Lanell John Lewis has, has moved on to Crimsby. Um, he won't have had that much time in and around the squad. But he played the lone striker role yesterday, and he was an absolute powerhouse. Um, two or three... All the shot players bounced off him, you know, in one incident. You know, he just he wasn't giving the ball up. He held it up brilliantly, and all around the pitch, um, you could see the quality that Josh Gowlin and Steve Burr have uh, assembled. And uh, and you know, just when you hear those two names, you know you're going to come up against a decent side, don't you? Steve Burr's been there, seen it, done it, as as, as Mick says, and uh, he's loving still being involved in football. I'm just uh, a quick apology to the. Hereford supporters that, that listen to this uh, podcast, I'm just so sorry I couldn't get some post-match for you. The rules are very, very tight at Aldershot at the moment, um, and uh, I would have done, despite my own disappointment, I, I would have loved to have heard from Josh Cowlin or Steve Burr or, or, or maybe even Brandon, you know, who, who saved the penalty, or, or, or Luke Haynes, who, um, who, who scored ultimately the winning, the winning penalty. Full credit to Hereford. And uh, as I'm sure we'll come on to discuss, Luke, not the only uh, underdog to come through mm. yesterday. Massive missed opportunity, though, for Aldershot, isn't it, Rob? I mean, the draw, the draw did open up a little bit, didn't it? Um, I mean, we'll get on to the other results in a minute, but 
you got so you don't usually have a good run in a trophy yet you feel like you're quite close that uh, didn't you yeah it's a really good point because that's actually what's happened to Aldershot when they've got to the latter stages um, they've they've been in two semi-finals previously they got what seemed like the best draw back in 2004 and they went out somehow over two legs to Hedness but uh, all going wrong in the second leg and then uh, I think in the season that Aldershot won the uh, conference 2008 they were also in the semi-final they got Ebsfleet over two legs and uh, that that just went horribly wrong as well and then the quarter-finals a few years back again the easier potentially of the of the three other opponents they could have had it was Haven and Waterlooville and, and, and they got absolutely blasted out of it, 4-0 four, four or 4-1 in a storm uh, down on the south coast. Um, so it's probably history repeating. I think the one bit of irony um, that wasn't lost on Aldershot supporters yesterday was that had they got to the final, it's due to be played um, on the 8th of May, some nine days before supporters are potentially let back in and... Uh, I think there was some irony that if Aldershot did finally make Wembley, there'd be no supporters allowed in anyway. They've never done it. Credit to Hereford, two previous semi-finals, and hopefully for them, it'll be third time lucky. Dickie, what a result, though, for Hereford. I mean, it, it shows the National League North is in good stead despite the season finishing. It certainly looks to be that way, doesn't it? You know, uh, there may be something in, in what you've, we've discussed there about that, you know, that that could have been Hereford's final game of the season yesterday, so you, you need to leave it all out there. Um, and you know they certainly did that, that. You know they they put all their efforts into that game and have been rewarded. And yeah, they, they you know the management have done a really really sound job down there. Brandon Hall's such an interesting case. I noticed he's literally just tweeted a photograph of his his decisive penalty save in the last few minutes. Um, he was out of favour at the start of the season, very much out of the picture. They'd signed Paul White from from Kettering, and 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 he uh, was Hereford's keeper at the start of the season. But he's clearly got himself um, back into the side, and and yeah, that I mean that that nine game unbeaten run says says a lot, you know, for for how Hereford are going at the moment. That's got to be the best run of form that they've had since coming back into the National League North. I think they found it a bit of a struggle. Um, right at the very beginning, whether there was a, you know, I'd, I'd certainly got some questions about whether they'd sort of um, underestimated the, the, the strength of the division they were moving into, having been such a powerhouse in the lower divisions. Um, but yeah, and you know, everything's, you know, they're a, a former league club. Everything's set up for Hereford to, to you know, to be a, a big contender in the National League North, and, and maybe this can be a springboard for them. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, he had a slow start to the season. There was a few mumblings and grumblings. And like you say, um, Josh Garland with Steve Burr there, they, they know it, the, each other from Kidderminster. They've, they've got a few ex-Kidderminster players as well. And uh, they seem to like be a set, settled side now. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, was it was it a massive shock for you, Dickie, that, that they went down to Aldershot and won? I think I think a team from a lower division winning away, a team from a higher division is always something of a surprise. And, you know, Aldershot didn't put out a um, a weakened team or anything like that. You know, we do get some results in the early rounds of the FA Trophy where you get a sense that, you know, maybe some clubs are managing their resources a little bit. But I don't think you do that when you're, you know, potentially two, three games from Wembley as we are now. When when the Twin Towers are, are, are that visible, you know, you, you put all your efforts into it. So... It, it, it's a you know terrific result for them yesterday, and um, you know as we'll 
probably discuss in a moment, we had another National League North side for whom the boot was on the other foot very much. Yeah, absolutely. It was Darlington. It was Darlington's last game of the season. They they played Hornchurch at home in the FA Trophy. And you'd think, well, comfortable win. Hornchurch have had a good little run. Well done to them. And Darlington are going to go through. But no, uh, it wasn't the case at all. It was Hornchurch who shocked Darlington. They went all the way up to the northeast and won. Liam Nash and Sam Higgins with a penalty at the side of Arico Souza equalising on the stroke of half time. Will Hatfield. Received two yellow cards, and, and Mick will come on to you in a minute. But Dicky, what a, what a shot that is! Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely, I think it is. You know, Darlington—they're um, not my own team. Telford uh, out on penalties just before Christmas in this competition. You know, they'd won away at Weymouth in previous rounds, um, but you know, I, I I can't say that you know they they've underestimated Hornchurch. If they did that, that was certainly a mistake. Because you know. Hornchurch's win over Maidstone in the last round was enough of a warning, surely. You know, 5-4 against a, a National League South team showed they've got plenty of firepower there. And they're a remarkable story. We talk about Darlington not having played very much. Literally, Hornchurch, I've, I had a look at their fixture list this morning. I don't think they've played any other games other than trophy games and the occasional friendly for absolutely weeks on end since the Isthmian Premier got, um, got suspended. So, you know... They, they were they were going into almost every game in the same way that that maybe Darlington and Hereford should have been with this feeling that lose today and this is the end of our season you know and leave it all out there and that's absolutely what they've done it's got to be a huge disappointment for Darlington um, you know when you're this close when it's uh, you know the semi-finals next. Um, and I don't know what the format is for the semi-finals. I don't know whether they're remaining with a two-leg semi-finals or if it's going to be one-off. I'm not, I, I'm not heard anything about that this season. But, you know, when you get that f- close and you've come this far, you've got to fancy yourself, and, and Darlington will be massively disappointed with that. One leg. It's one, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so even, yeah, even all more of it. All of those teams that have gone through are now 90 minutes plus maybe a penalty shootout. Away from uh, the uh, the sacred place that I just can't bring myself to say. <laughs> <laughs> Mick, um, you we had a chat on Friday, didn't we? And I know you were saying about Mark Mark Stimson, and um, I know earlier in the season when Hornchurch played, uh, I can't remember who it was in the trophy. Jeff Brazy was there yeah. for BT Sport, and they were saying about. Hornchurch, they had a decent budget, but the chairman was happy to keep on paying it if they were staying in the FA Trophy. Well, they're certainly staying in it. And I know you know Mark Stimson really well, but surely, even beyond his wildest dreams, he couldn't have expected to go up to Darlington and get a result. Yeah, exactly right. So, look, yeah, I've I'm, I'm known uh, Mark, you know, for many, many, many years. And uh, he's got stock, though. You know, he's got stock in the trophy. You know, he's had, uh, you know, when he was there at Tamry, then he went to Stevenage and had some... He knows what it's like to win that, uh, you know, that, that competition. And, uh, yeah, you're dead right, they're still in there, but they do things exceptionally well over there at Hornchurch. He's brought some good players in there. I mean, I'm, I've got to say, I actually saw them start the, uh, the run in the, uh, in, the, in the competition. They played down at, in Walthamstow, played Walthamstow Pennant in, a, I think it might have been the second round or something. And uh, they, they wouldn't say, yeah, they scraped by, they scraped by. They, they won three, I think it was 3-1. And I spoke to Mark after he went, I've had to tell the players a real some home truths. This is where, if you're going to get into a, a semi-final or a final, you've got to play games like this, you know, on a, you know, a, a small little pitch on a, you know, not expecting much really from the game, and to get you, you know, through to the to the next round. And that's that's exactly what's happened. They they scrape through and now look where they are. And 
I'm saying I'm delighted for Mark because as I said he's he's another one who's uh, you know still treading the boards for a better word. You know he, he he's been a league manager, dropped out, gone again, but he he knows the game you know uh, inside out. And uh, yeah, big big result. Was it luck? I don't believe it was. As I said, they're an organised group and. Uh, Said the other thing, guys, I've got to say, isn't it great though for the competition? Isn't it great for mm. football that you get the likes of, you know, Hereford, the likes of Hornchurch, you know, really punching above their weight? And it just, I just think, you know, with all what's gone on at the moment, you know, in football, to see two results like that, I think it's just brilliant. I think it's, I know it's disappointing for the other the other sides. I get that, but it's just great that you know we're, we're it, to see things like this. It gives everyone a real sort of boost, I believe. And especially for the teams who aren't currently playing, like in the National League North and below, because this prize money means so much to them at the minute. It's keeping the clubs going, isn't it? Oh, without doubt, exactly. It's keeping the clubs going and, uh, you know, that part of it. But the players, I think, you're right. Yeah, of course, it, you know, money is massive. We know that. But the players themselves, you know, want to continue. I mean, I've, I've spoken to so many players who are like, absolutely well, devastated, like all of us are, you know, but... You know, the season's over and finished. And uh, as I said, I go back to what all the lads have already said there, you know, Dickie and, you know, and Rob, it's, it's, they've left everything out there on that field of play. They know it's the, you know, it's the, it's the last chance saloon, if you want to use a better sort of phrase. And uh, they've gone out there, these teams, and wow, what a, what a turnaround. Fantastic for them. It was looking like there was going to be another upset in the other game. Oxford City took the lead against Notts County in the first half. It was a golden own goal. Uh, Tyler Golden, who's on loan from Salford City, he put through his own net to give Oxford City the lead. But they did come back eventually. Uh, two goals from the enigma, that is Alicia Sam. He got two goals there. And uh, also it was Jimmy Knowles in stoppage time to seal the deal. But for a while, it was looking like Oxford City might repeat their heroics of the FA Cup Um but in the end, Notts County got through, and you'd probably make them favourites now, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, they're, they're a big uh, outfit. We know that. Um, you know, got you know some very very good players there, and uh, yeah, you'd, you'd say you'd make them favourites, but uh, you know, as we all know now, you know, is there any favourites in this competition? Because these other sides have really, uh, you know, put it out there. So no, it's, it's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, final couple of games. You know, the semi-finals, and then see, you know, what draw they get. So, look, it's, it's exciting. That's the big thing, you know, but not counting one of... It's such a shame, again, you know, going back, alluded to it, uh, Rob, that, you know, doesn't want to be fans there, which is, is a shame, really, that, but uh, I suppose it's already set in stone when the final is going to be, and uh, it's a bit of a shame that if you've got, you know, two big... You know, well, just imagine you've got, you know, uh, Notts County and Hereford in, 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 in the final, and I think there'd be a big crowd there. There would. There really would be a big crowd, but... It's not to be, I suppose. Yeah, I spoke to Neil Hardley earlier in the uh, early in the trophy um, when they knocked Stockport County out, and I spoke to him about the importance of the competition for for Notts County, and you know he said that it was it was really important for them, and um, you can see yesterday that they would have been a bit nervy when they went a goal down, but. You can see who's on the score sheet, as Luke mentioned, Eli Sam and Jimmy Knowles, and those are two players who haven't been prolific for Notts County um, in the last. Well, since they since they joined the club in the last sort of four, five, six months, and they've they've got on the score sheet and now and they're up and running again. So you can see the value of the FA Trophy. And um, one other thing, I thought we scrapped golden goals about fifteen years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Very good, very good. Ooh. The golden goal in that game, ironically, came at the other end. I mean, it's the, the, the second goal from Alicia Sam is, is the one that effectively sealed the tie. And if I've just had a quick check on there, it's now been seen um, 2.2 million times on social media. It's the most extraordinary backheeled finish Ooh. taken out of the air. Like it's been described as a backheel volley from like round about the penalty spot. It is just an, an incredible goal. Um, and yeah, I mean that, that, that's the, 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 the main, you know, that, that's the real talking point of, of that tie. I think is that goal. It's just gone viral. It's gone crazy. Yeah. And it'll put him in the shop window. And, and, and like you mentioned, Chris, when you spoke to Neil Ardley, he mentioned about the FA Trophy and it's another game for them and another game they can be winning and it helps with confidence and also gives some of the squad a run out so that if injuries do come, those players are ready to step in. Yeah, absolutely. It builds confidence. It, uh, it keeps them going. That's the other thing. It keeps them going. Uh, they would have had a fixture this weekend, but when they haven't, they can keep rolling. They can keep going on to the next. They're probably going to have more Tuesday night games or something like that. And that sounded to me when I was talking to them that that's something that they relish. Yeah, and the other tie was an all-National League tie. It was Woking against Torquay. And, uh, Rob, it was that man, Jamal Loza, who got the goal. And Torquay... They can focus all their attention now on that National League, can't they? Yeah, I think, I don't know if you guys all sort of clocked the scores just before half-time yesterday. All the unfavoured four teams were winning. Um, Darlington did, of course, get level against Hornchurch just before half-time. Kind of felt at that stage at least two of the sides would turn it round, and only one did in the end, Notts County. But if there was... One underdog yesterday that we're probably not surprised, given their pedigree in the FA Trophy, given everything we know about Woking and about Dallas, it probably was that one. And um, boys, nobody has had to fight harder to get to that stage of the FA Trophy than Woking. They've now beaten Dover, who were their bogey side, Bromley, Sutton away and talk here at home. And I think that means one thing. It means that Woking are going to draw Notts County on Monday in the semi-final. And who would bet against them even then? Um, it's going to be fascinating the way those four teams, you know, come out of the hat. Credit to Lowe's, a credit to Dows. Um, as you know, I'm involved with BBC Radio Surrey, and they were big coverage of both games yesterday. And what was really, I thought was a really, really nice touch in his post-match, despite, you know, still choking on a, a difficult defeat, Danny Searle didn't fail to say, well done, Dows, for, you know, getting for getting working through again and, and wishing them all the best. So, um, yeah, fantastic. Um, nobody's won the FA Trophy more times mm. than Woking, and who'd bet against them doing it again? I was going to say, Mick, they've got that spectre of Jeff Chappell still there. He's still involved in the club in the background, isn't he? And uh, they've just got this connection with that competition, haven't they? Yeah, it's strange, isn't it, Luke? You know, that sometimes clubs just have that connection for some reason. And, uh, yeah, you're dead right. You go back and, uh, yeah, Jeff Chappell there and uh, Clive Walker was always, uh, you know, uh, the Johnny on the spot scoring for Woke. and always remember those uh, those trophy finals. But, no, go back to what Rob just said. I, you know, I'm delighted for, uh, for Woking as well because they are a club that do it the right way, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, they've got this opportunity and... As I said, it's just a really, it's, 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 it's really panned out to be an extremely exciting competition. And, uh, you know, I'll go back to what I just said earlier. It's just great for the game for me. 
especially for the for, you know people from the national league down. Everyone's still interested and watching, and it's just it's just brilliant for me. I'm really really pleased to see uh, how it's panned out. Excellent. Well, let's move on to the National League now. And the, the highest placed team who played in the National League were Hartlepool. They're in the, the 5.20 kickoff on BT Sport. They took on Barnet, who were having a wretched time at the minute. And it went to form, didn't it, in the end? Um, people would have expected maybe Hartlepool to win by more. They certainly did have the chances. Lee Armstrong tapped in from uh, about three yards out and then missed an even easier chance late on when uh, it was like watching me play football, let's be honest. He kicked it with the wrong foot in front of the goal line and, and missed and uh, it looked like he couldn't believe it. But uh, Hartlepool, <laughs> they keep on grinding on. I think that's eight home wins in a row now and uh, Dave Challenger was really pleased with that. Yeah, I think most of his goals are from about three yards out but he scores them and he's in the right place at the right time apart from that one that you uh, that you mentioned, Luke. Um, and they love one nilers, don't they? Managers and defenders and goalkeepers. Mick will tell you that a one nil is almost as good as a three-two, four-two, something like that. Not so much for the fans, but they were in yesterday, obviously. What I will say is that that's um, that's Hartlepool's eighth consecutive home win now, so they really are making a fortress of their uh, their, their home stadium there. And um, Luke Armstrong scores most of his goals at home. A word for Barnet because um, I think that they um, probably pushed Hartlepool closer than uh, a lot of teams thought they would, and I think that's what a lot of feedback came out of that game that they were organised and they, you know, they fought to the to the death. But uh, the Hartlepool bandwagon rolls on. Yeah, Luke Armstrong can't wait for the barbers to open, judging by his look uh, <laughs> on the telly as well. He was a pretty thick beard and haircut, but. I know, Mick, we were, we were having a chat, weren't we, about Barnet and, and Tim Flowers has got such a tough job on there, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, you know, look, he's, he's, he's gone in there and uh, look, it's like a lot of those sides down the bottom there. How do you get the, the side motivated, you know, knowing that the, the thing, there's constraints on? So, look, he has got a tough job, but don't, you know, what I just heard there, they, they, they put a good effort together yesterday to, uh, you know, show that there is still uh, life in, in the club there and... Uh, I'm sure if he keeps, you know, plugging away. I mean, you know, is the shackles off because there's officially at the moment, you know, we come up to that, I'm sure, later, that there's no relegation involved. So it might just give him a little bit of uh, leeway to sort of like, you know, play with a little bit more freedom. So there's still a few games to go and uh, see what they, uh, how they finish up as the league finishes. In fourth place, it is Stockport County. And uh, I actually went to the game. I actually got out of the house on a Saturday afternoon. It was very nice to get out and get some fresh air. And uh, you were there as well, Chris. He took on a, a Chesterfield side and it was... Um, it was a well. It's fair to say a strange game. Nothing happened for the first hour apart from the ball popping. The uh, the big moment of the game where a throw-in was given to Stockport County should have been given to Chesterfield, and we said it, didn't we, Chris? About ten seconds before it happened, we said it's going to go in the back of the net this for Stockport because it just seemed you could just see the build-up happening. James Jennings went through, got the first goal. James Roll was was not happy. It was fair to say, but. The big thing we noticed, Chris, was there was no response from Chesterfield. Normally, you feel a sense of injustice and you come out, but it was just very, a very flat afternoon from them. And then Alex Reid got a second for Stockport. Yeah, I think. Look, I think it was a it was a really close game up until um, the the incident, as you described it. And I think everyone in the ground knew that it was a, a throw in um, the opposite direction for Chesterfield. But up until then, it was a t- it was a it was a game of two teams 
Uh, one that was very much on form in Chesterfield and one that hadn't conceded many goals but hadn't scored any either. And you could see that the, the chances were really at a premium. Um, and yeah, that's it. What I would say about that, Luke, was it was a throw-in. The, bad, the poor decision was a throw-in. It wasn't a penalty. It wasn't a, a sending off. There wasn't a, a free kick given on the edge of the area. So you still would have expected um, Chesterfield to defend it. And I think it was a touch of class from John Rooney, the ball over for uh, for James Jennings. And it was a touch of class for James mm-hmm. Jennings, who, who control well and for, um, for a full-back or a wing-back, maybe you might describe him as. He finished it really well, and yeah, that and it very much felt like that that was game over. But to fair to James Rowe, I mean, he did say we should have defended the situation better afterwards. But come on, if it was your team, if it was Dicky Rob, we'd all be saying, well, hold on, that throwing shouldn't have happened, and that was his argument really that, that it shouldn't have been in that situation. But I get your point, Chris. Too many teams do that; they do switch off and then they concede, and 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 they can hide behind that a little bit. What I will say is the Chesterfield media people did kind of. We heard them talking amongst themselves, saying they didn't really deserve anything, did they? But it's been a good unbeaten run for them, hasn't it? That's come to an end now. Well, exactly. And, and chatting to the to their media guys at the end, they said um, that's uh, I think before today that's like one defeat in fourteen, and we would have taken that, and uh, we've been beaten by. An organised team, you know, a team that have got so much um, potential in their squad at the moment and keep adding to it as well. Um, and, you know, we'll move on. Yeah, Liam Hogan was good, wasn't he, Chris, yesterday? He's always good. Do you know what? He's player of the season for me so far. And um, possibly he might end up being player of the season in the league or at least in the conversation because he is a rock. He really is every game. One thing that might um, disturb Stockport County fans was that John Rooney did go off clutching his hamstring uh, in the second half. So uh, hopefully for them that that will uh, sort itself out and it was only a minor one. Yeah, and I caught up with the scorer of the first goal on Saturday, James Jennings. James, vital win today. Yeah, it was massive win. Um, it's been frustrating the last couple of weeks because um, you know we've been dominating games and we've had plenty of chances created, goals disallowed, and things not really gone our way. So you know we knew we had to come in with the right right mentality today and um, keep pushing, keep working hard, and we knew we'd get the rewards. Yeah, your first goal for, uh, for the club and uh, this season, and like you say, things did go your way with the contentious throwing, didn't you? And then you capitalised on it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, sometimes you just got to keep. Keep working, you know. Like I said, you'll, you'll get the get the rewards, and the lads have been showing great, great attitude, great application, and um, eventually, you know, we keep knocking at the door. Um, we got that little bit of luck with the throw-in, um, but you know, we kept on asking questions. We were positive in our play. Um, Build-up play was always good, but you know, it's around the final third where we thought we need to be a little bit more ruthless and you know, take make the most of our chances. And um, you know, luckily that one, John picked out a great ball. Um, made the run the game before and he didn't see me so no, it was nice to, to get on the yeah. end of it and get, get the first goal Has there been frustration creeping in because you've, you've kind of you've solid at the back aren't you you've not conceded many at all but you've not been scoring the goals and could you feel the frustration building up? Yeah the, I mean the frustration's been building up but you know we've been just focusing on mm. ourselves like, yes there's been loads of questions you know we're not getting the goals and then Questions are being asked, but you know we we've just been focusing on ourselves yeah. and we've been working in between games because you know it's a busy schedule. We've been working on you know what we can do in the final third, how we can be a little bit more ruthless in front of goal. And um, we have been unfortunate, but you know when you keep 
keep knocking at the door and keep putting teams on the back foot. Yeah. You know, inevitably the goal will come. How's it been your local club? You're here with your brother as well. It must be must be great for you at the minute. It is, yeah. It's been um been a bit of a up and down season personally with um you know a few niggles and getting COVID and 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 uh, situations like that. But yeah, I've just been trying to keep myself fit as possible and um worked my way into the team and now I've been getting a bit of a run. Um yeah, it's hometown club, so yeah, just really proud to to play play for the club. The only thing that's missing really is just playing in front of the fans. Um but yeah, we've got a good group of lads here and you know we just gotta keep working hard and hopefully we'll get rewards. And one of James Jennings' old team, Wrexham, are quietly sneaking up the table. And uh, we'll get your thoughts on the news that came out this week. Um, basically, the, <laughs> the new owners have, have, have uh, been very vocal in making sure that they can get uh, there's an end of season, a big end of season bonuses, win bonuses in there. And um, I want to get your take on this, guys. In a time when teams are really struggling for money, they're having to take out loans and stuff, was it the right thing to do to maybe air it in public that about bonuses and things like that? Does it feel like a bit of a, a slap in the face to other teams, that? I don't know about a slap in the face to other teams. It's just not great PR, is it? You know, if that's the way that you choose to give a bit of extra motivation, a bit of extra reward to your team, then great. But keep it in-house. It doesn't do you any favours announcing that publicly. And that, for me, is the first own goal from the new regime. Uh, did it work? Well, you could argue maybe it did because they've trounced wheels to 4-1. But what you have got there is a side very, very much with upward momentum against one that, to be quite honest with you, I think has been, you know, quite clear about really wanting, you know, struggling with the fact that the season's even continuing. Mick, if that was you and you were a rival team uh, as a coach, would you be would you be happy seeing that come out? No, not at all. I just go with Rob. I totally agree. You know, don't need to do that at all. Just, you know, keep it in house. You know, just keep it, you know, close to your chest. They know what's gone on in that club. You know, they don't have to put it out there. So, no, I totally agree with what Rob said and uh, it was unnecessary for me and uh, not much style in that for me. Dean Keats, he's been under a lot of pressure, hasn't he, Mick? And um, for a while again, it was looking like. It'd be under more pressures. Wheelstone took the lead through Danny Parrish and he went, he took that lead into half time, but then he did roll back in the second half. Kwame Thomas got a couple. Luke Young got a goal in there and then DR Angus rounded off the scoring in the 75th minute and they're, they're quietly going about the business, but every game is a pressure game now for Dean Keats, isn't it? Without doubt. Yeah. Look, you know, you, you can see where they are in the league. You know, they're sort of like just outside down to sort of massive uh, automatic sort of positions. And, uh, yeah, I think they are going to be in the shake-up. There's no doubt about that. And, yeah, he's under pressure. But I think all managers are under pressure, mm. you know. So it's, we, we, we all know it's all about, you know, getting the results. And uh, you've got to find a way, you know. You want to play expansive, you know, attractive, whatever you want to call it, football. But it's about this stage now of getting the results. And uh, that was a big result yesterday. And, uh, as you say, they're in a in a great position and I'm sure they're on the uh, upward curve so uh, yeah be, a, be an interest I mean I've got to say Luke, if you don't mind I mean I've seen a number of sides this year and uh, yeah it's good. and now that uh, you know that top half of the, or the top sort of seven is sort of panning out it's uh, very very interesting indeed Who stood out for you then Mick and that on those top sides then? Well I've got to say I mean uh, you, you mentioned I mean I saw Sutton the other the other night uh, playing at Dagger and Redbridge and they, grew, they, they, they got over the line. It wasn't a great performance, mm. but uh, 
what he's done there, Matt Gray, there's an organisation and a preparation that you can see that they've got right. Um, so they, they look uh, very, very uh, formidable in uh, the way they go about their uh, their business. So they've, they've been decent. You go back, you say Notts County. I've seen them play, and um, again, you know, we know what sort of club they are in terms of their uh, status, in terms of the, you know, uh, history of that club, and uh, they want to be back. You know, let's get right. They want to be back in the uh, in the football league. So they've got a good uh, good side. Stockport, you mentioned. I mean, uh, again. You know, uh, they're, they're a side that could upset anybody at any time. So I think they're going to be there and thereabouts. And, um, you know, I've got to say, I haven't, I haven't seen Eastley, but again, I think they're a side who's, uh, you know, done pretty well. So I think they're going to be there and thereabouts, you know. Yeah, they're a side who, uh, we mentioned it last week, they're a side nobody really talks about. We gave them a lot of love exactly. last week, Mick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly that. And I've got, I mean... I know they won, again, you know, because I've been fortunate to go to some of the, uh, uh, the Dagger and Redbridge games. I've been doing their sort of live stream. So, you know, I've been getting out to quite a lot of games for them. And they're, they're again, a little side that's just sort of, uh, you know, to slide into the, in the playoffs. It's Bromley. Again, they, they got a result yesterday. Neil Smith has done remarkable over there. And uh, they might be a little side that, like Eastley, who are sort of under the radar a little bit. And... Uh, yeah, so that's it. it's going to be an interesting uh, final few uh, matches coming up, and uh, as I said, who's going to who's going to make that sort of top sort of seven? It's going to be uh, anyone's guess for me. It's funny, guys, isn't it? Because I know um, in terms of everyone's looking at Torquay, but Sutton's the name that keeps creeping up. I know when we had John yeah. Kieran on from Stockport County the other week, he, he was he was worried about Sutton, and and they just keep doing the business, and all of a sudden everyone's kind of saying. Sutton's are the ones that we, um, everyone's got to watch now. With, with, with Sutton, what they do, what they do, the biggest thing for me, they've got everything in place. You know, I'm looking at it from the coaching's point of view where they've got, they, you know, their centre-halves do what they need to do. You know, I mean, this in a, in a good way. They head it, they kick it, they defend. They're effective in what they do. That's not being detrimental to, their, to the way they go about it. You know, they, they get that right. They've got their... Their midfielder, you know, got Harry Buterman in there. Who, who, they're, they're sort of dogged in there in terms of they do the right thing again. They're not trying to be over, overplayed. They're not flamboyant. And they've got two guys up top who, you know, who, who, who run their socks off for the team. They defend from the front. They work hard for their team. They've got a long throw expert. You know, when they get a throw in, in and around that final third, they're not afraid to put it in there with a long throw. You can see they've worked on things on their set pieces because they, they send their, their, their big sort of lads up to, to uh, contest it. They're, they're very, very well organised. That's what they're doing at the moment and doing things effectively well. Just outside the playoff places in 8th and ninth are Borenwood and Bromley. Uh, slightly different results for them. Borenwood had to come from behind to draw against Solihull Moors. Uh, they, they, they fell behind early on. The earliest goal of the day in the National League, Alex Goodger, putting Sully Hull ahead then. That man, Kabongo Shimanga, from the penalty spot before Jeannie Marais put them ahead. But Adam Rooney, uh, another man who's not really been mentioned this season. He, he's had a few issues at Sully Hull Moors. He got the equaliser. And then Bromley, they took on Altrincham. And it was that man, Michael Cheek, who got two goals for them uh, as they won by three goals to one. And the two Bs and uh, two players in form, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cheek is the top scorer in the National League. I, 
I don't think there's anything to suggest he won't go on and take that. Um, Shimanga, though, keeps scoring steadily, and it's his third or fourth season on the trot now that he has done. And you also mentioned Adam Rooney there. It's his second goal in a couple of weeks, and he got the key goal at, uh, or, or what was the key goal that finished the game at shot a, a week or two ago. He's obviously been in and out. He's had his injury problems, and uh, he's a name that you'd expect to be up there if we were sort of looking at the names at the start of the season. But it does look at the moment it could well be a contest between Shimanga and and Cheek, and uh, it's not quite sure what to make of Bromley this season. Um, they don't impress me week in, week out, but they've got that same quality and that same ability, Mick, as Sutton, haven't they? And uh, they're well organised and they're quite adept at winning games of football, even when they don't necessarily play that well. I'm sure they did yesterday, they had a cracking first half, but did you get my point? Yeah, Robert, exactly. I say, uh, I had a good chat with. Uh... Neil Smith when uh, Bromley came down to Dagenham and uh, yeah I mean not they've, they've, they are they're, again a very very organised outfit and uh, that's how they go about their business and you're dead right you know I mean I've been uh, fortunate to uh, work with Michael Cheek and uh, sometimes you see him in training you go really you know because he, he doesn't always finish in training but when he steps on the field to play I tell you he, well he, it's no uh, it's no fluke because he's scored goals wherever he's gone and uh, He's going to be, you know, the main man for them to see if they can, uh, you know, get themselves, you know, in those sort of major playoff positions. And, uh, yeah, they're an organised outfit. And, uh, as I said, I've got a lot of admiration for Neil Smith, the way he goes about his job. He's um, he's a player who's always been in and around the National League, Michael Chee. Do you think a league club will take a, a punt on him this year if Bramley don't go up? Well, I don't know. I mean, as I said, he's, he has been in and around. He's, be a, you know, a bit of a nomad. He's been going out to one or two clubs here, there and everywhere, but he seems to be settled now uh, at, uh, at Bromley. Look, we all know, all the guys, you know, on this uh, podcast, They all we all know goal scorers are the, are the ones, you know, and sometimes clubs that go, look, if he's got the knack, we might take a chance. I mean, I'm not too sure how old Michael is now, Michael Cheek, but... Uh, yeah, he's 29. Yeah, whether he's got one, you know, one hit at, at the league, it'd be great for him. You know, I'm sure he'd like that opportunity. But uh, as I said, it's uh, a club's got to take that uh, that chance on him. But he does score goals, the guy. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it might be it might be his last chance to uh, to play in the football league. Yeah, you're only as old as you feel, Mick. <laughs> Oh, exactly, yeah. I, 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 feel, I feel 21 today speaking to you guys, you know that. Just a quick stat on Michael Cheek, guys. Uh, he's got a 0.45 goal striking rate. That's not very far off one in two. Around about 100 goals in 200 games, uh, you know, give or take starts and different competitions, I think. But uh, there's probably not many managers in the National League that wouldn't like uh, a Michael Cheek in the squad because... He, he isn't the most spectacular of players, but he's very, very efficient, isn't he? Are you pulling out XG on us there, Rob? <laughs> no, I'm not. I hate that stat. I do. I do. Is that one of the worst stats invented in football going? Oh, um, expected goals, yeah, but if you've not scored, it doesn't matter, does it? Do you know? Like... No. Absolute <laughs> rubbish. Yeah. Rob, I'll come, I'll come back to what you just said, the word efficient. That's exactly what he is. He's very efficient. When... When push comes to shove, he is, he is, he is, he is excellent at that. And uh, 
he, and he scores all types of goals. That's the, you know, he's not just a, a tapping merchant. He's he's always, you know, he gets his head there. He's he's a very, and he plays off that last defender. He plays on that that shoulder, that last defender, and he's still got that, you know, that little turn of pace that uh, scares defenders. So he is. He's a very very good striker indeed. It was an entertaining game down at the Walks and. Uh... It was a 2-2 draw between Kingsland and Weymouth. Kingsland had to come from behind twice. And uh, Dickie, all of a sudden, Kingsland have found their, their shooting boots. Something to beat Barnett 5-1 in midweek. All, all their, their big hitters, if you like. Michael Gash, Adam Marriott, uh, Dale Southwell, all on the score sheet in that one. And then Tyler Denton scored his first ever goal, career goal on Saturday. Uh, Craig King also scored for Kingsland, responding to an Andrew Dallas opener and Anton Robinson's uh, goal for Weymouth. So... A uh, couple of entertaining games at Kings Lynn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I think we said before the season started that um, I, I think my question about Kings Lynn was perhaps that that reliance on Adam Marriott um, or, or that perceived reliance that I felt they had on him anyway. <clears throat> He's clearly not found the target as many times this season, but then you, you're playing in a higher division. They've had some of a turnover in the personnel behind him as well. But, you know, they have got that potential. Um, he, he and Michael Gash, you've got Dale Southwell there as well. You know, they've got firepower in that side. So um, when they click, they click, and they certainly have done over the last couple of games. Yeah, and interesting as well uh, for Kings Lynn. They're just above the relegation zone now. Weymouth are in the, in the bottom three, and uh, what a good point for them. Uh, another team who was struggling, Mick, surprisingly, as you mentioned, you've seen them a lot this season, Dagenham and Redbridge, and they fell to a last-minute defeat at Yeovil. They were, it was nil-nil, a tight game. Callum Reynolds, friend of the podcast, then got sent off on, in the 88th minute. From the resulting free kick, Tom Knowles banged in the winner. And Mick, what's, um, what's going on with Dagenham this year? There's big expectations at that club, and, and they're just not doing it at the minute. Well, you just use the word expectations. Exactly right. I mean, I have been privy to get over there on a regular occasion. You know, I've been there. You know, I've coached Daglers going back many, many years ago, and uh, I go over, I do the games. But uh, you're right. It's they just haven't been able to get that run. You know, where they get a win, lose two, get a win, lose. Two. You know, it's just really a strange, strange season. Uh, how the Daglers have gone about their business, and you know, they've not been they've not been hammered in games. If that makes sense, they've been you know, some inept some performances, but uh, they've always, if they don't seem to get that first goal, they seem to struggle, and they've, they've, they've clawed their way back in games, you know, uh, Dagon Redbridge, and, you know, they've got some very, very good players, but it seems uh, at the moment, things are not clicking, uh, and the biggest thing for me is is when, when they give goals away, they are sloppy mistakes, you know, they've got to do better not to give what I call cheap goals away, but Look, it's still uh, you know, a number of games to go for them at Dagenham, so they've got to try to get a bit of form back where they get that bit of consistency and a little run together, basically, for me. Yeah, I mean, it is a surprise because they've got such a, a good manager as well in Daryl McMahon, haven't they? And, um, again, do you think he... I know we talked about pressure, but do you think he is under pressure because they'll be looking at it just over half of the season gone now? I think we're approaching... The, the 60% mark, because we posted PPG this week, and people are saying, well, is it relevant? Well, if for some reason the season does stop, it will be uh, soon. So we're over halfway now, and they're not where they want to be, are they? Well, you know, when you look at the league table, exactly, you don't want to be where you are. And, you know, yes, we know it's different at the moment, you know, games at home and away, you know, with no crowds and things like that. 
but they've won, they've won three games at home. You know, three games at home. All right, they've won four away. So out of 23 games, you know, what, seven wins? It's not, mm. a, it's mm. not a great return, is it? Let's be fair. And uh, it's, but let's go back to what I said earlier. They've not been hammered. They've not been, you know, they've been in games. That's the key to it. And again, you know, they go and play uh, Saturn the other night. They concede in the 93rd minute. Yesterday they go and play, you know, Yeovil. They concede again in the 90th minute. You know, they've got to be able to see games out as well. So, something somewhere needs to change. And uh, what it'll be, I'm not too sure. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, well, Mick, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, as always. Yeah, thank you very much, Luke. And uh, Chrissy Dickey, you know, really uh, great to have you, you know, speaking to you fellas again. And uh, Rob as well. And, uh, you know, always uh, an honour to come on this uh, podcast with you fellas. And, uh as I say, let's hope, you know, for better things uh, along the way. You know, there's still we've still got the excitement, as we say, about the trophy and, uh, you know, how the, how the National League's going to finish. And so there's still many, many good things to look forward to, I believe. Nice one. Rob, um, thanks for joining us. Pleasure as always. Have a great week, guys. Great to speak to you, Mick. Uh, Chris, Dickie, thank you very much for coming on the show, as always. Yeah, cheers, Luke, and great to speak to you again, Mick. Yeah, thank you very much, Mike. Hopefully, see you soon. Yeah, yeah, you're very welcome, Luke, and, and you know, just echo everything that Mick said there. Hopefully, that uh, when we can meet some point in the future, it will actually be at a game of football, <laughs> at an England sea game as well, Mick. Well, it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be brilliant to see all you fellas again. It'd be fantastic. Let's hope so. And that is it. Thank you very much for listening to us, as always. Don't forget to subscribe to us on all good podcasting platforms and look after yourself, and we'll see you all very soon. <laughs>